We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Inside information on your teams, honest opinion, and the biggest names in sports. It's time, Las Vegas, for the Playmakers. What a special day we have in front of us. What a special time to be alive for a multitude of reasons. Got friends returning. Maybe we'll have a nice little bite to eat after the fact. Reminisce. Or maybe we'll punch each other's faces in. We'll never know. With Dasko and I, I think we, or not hypothetically, that's the wrong word to use, but verbally punch each other in the face. Not for realsies. That's why they keep us separated. Exactly. We've got social distancing. Exactly. Tony Cordasco is the name, or the voice you just heard in my name, is Lindsey Brown. And we have another name joining us at the top of the hour today. We usually do the footiest of footballs, but we move heaven and earth for certain people, for certain topics. And this particular opportunity happens to be both. Big time person, big time opportunity, Molly Walker, reporter who covers the New York Rangers for the New York Post, NY Post Sports, at NY Post. Are all of those handles workable? Can we reach you that way if we need to, Molly? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you've covered all of them. That was great. mwalker1 <laughs> at newyorkpost.com email. There we got. Now we've done the exhaustive yep. thing. Oh, exactly. don't forget about up in the blue seats, man. And say hi to the oh, guys, please. Yes. <laughs> Jake Brown and, and, of course, Ron Duguay and his Hassans. Say hi to the guys for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, Dasko, those are your friends. I'm sure they're great people, but I can't make that assumption. I don't extend it for me, Molly, but there's probably no bigger friend or fan of Adam Fox than Chris Kreider, who is basically Joe Pavelski East. The vision, the skating ability at the top of the zone is what we hear about Adam Fox all the time. But how does Kreider manage to keep himself so free for those tips and as a moving screen? How does he counter defenders so uh, effectively? I'll tell you, it's gotten to the point where Chris Kreider is just automatic in front of the net. And we've asked him about it, especially in the beginning of the season, when it really was, I think, at one point, all 10 of his goals came around the net or around the crease or some sort of tipping deflection motion. So we had asked him about it, and he said that he has been working on that since he was in college, since his college hockey days. It's just something that he's always worked on. And I guess now at this point in his career, he's just got it down pat. There's really nothing more to say about it. His stick is always in the in the right place. He's, his positioning is just phenomenal, and it has given the Rangers power play a huge boost. And it's gotten to a point where – me personally, I expect them to score on the power play more often than they don't, and I can't remember a time where the Rangers' power play was like that. 
Molly Walker is with us from the New York Post, and we just saw you on the NHL Network. And how in the world did you get a kitchenette in your hotel room? And did you cook? (laughs) No, I don't. You know, it's funny, you know, when you travel all this and stuff like that, you know, you reach certain, you know, Marriott statuses and stuff. So they upgrade me every time that I come. And suddenly I have a full-blown kitchen in, in my room and a table, dining room table for six. For one person, so it just kind of is part of the gig, I guess, guys. <laughs> uh, now, we've heard the words of Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves the past couple of days. They've been here in Las Vegas. But from what you could gauge, how are they really feeling about this game tonight? You know, Gallant really doesn't like to play into those narratives. He really had, he downplayed the first two games against the Panthers. Even when the Golden Knights came to the Garden before the holiday break, he that it was just another regular game to him. But, of course, yeah, he admitted that there was some some meaning to it, but he tried to give more of the attention to Ryan Reeves. He obviously knows that Reeves was a fan favorite here, and Reeves often says that Vegas is where he rejuvenated his career. So no matter what, if you can make statements like that, no matter what, it's going to be a meaningful return for him. And, and I'm sure when the tribute video comes on, and I'm sure he'll get – a round of applause from those in the arena, and I'm sure it'll be a nice moment for him, especially at this point in his career, for sure. I, for one, am shocked that as a as a player's coach that Gallant is pushing his players forward to be the speakers to this. But there, there's obviously history between him and DeBoer, and it, things didn't end super well. I mean, it never really does when you get fired, but let's be honest, the Golden Knights don't exactly handle things super well when they're sending you on the way out. But in terms of, of what Gallant has brought to this team and, and how he's coached them, because David Quinn was there for most of that rebuilding process, and some people were surprised that he was moved on from as expediently as he was because, in a way, you almost kind of owe him to have him see it out, but obviously there's been so much success. Gallant knows how to push his players and to keep them close. How much trust out is there out there between the guys and then between the players and the coaches? How has that dynamic changed? Absolutely. You know, I think Gallant was exactly what this Rangers team needed. David Quinn served his purpose. He had a development touch. He was a little bit more, you know, he he overemphasized teaching and he really wanted the, his players to play the right way. A lot of the same things that Gallant preaches, but Gallant is a little bit more old school in his approach. He's not a hoverer. He's not overbearing. He's very much so, you know, wants his players not to think too much on the ice. And I think that's where David Quinn tripped up a little bit uh, with this Rangers team, especially the veterans, because even though there is such an overwhelming young presence on the Rangers, there are there is a, a core group of veterans that are not 20 years old that have been in this league for a while. And I think Gallant really connects with both ends of the spectrum of the Rangers. And I think that that's been a huge part of their mentality. And it does stem from him. It really does. And he's also a very positive you know outlook he he doesn't like to dwell on on the negatives or the losses and this Rangers team in the past has been known to get in their heads a little bit and I think that that's that's why it's been a real refreshing new voice in the locker room for this Rangers team and it's really worked on the as you can see on the ice. 
Yeah, some former players who turn into coaches have that versatility that you're talking about with Gallant, and some people don't. And I think I'm talking about Wayne Gretzky when I'm making that example, and it's not usually <laughs> a place where I put him. But you talk about it the, the group that isn't the 20-year-olds and someone that I, I think plays the game the right way and obviously plays with an edge is Jacob Truba. If you, if you see mm-hmm. him around the tops of the circles or in the hash uh, in the D zone, I'm going to have my head up on a swivel, But and he's just not a player – that you can miss out there. But I was watching some tape earlier. Uh, I forget which games I were watching, but even to the point of a stick position on the rush, because it's one thing to hit people and to know where you are in space, and it's another thing to know where you are in space in terms of those types of details. Uh, what have you seen from him in his growth this season and with Keandre Miller back in the lineup as well? What has that pairing done and grown together so far? Jacob Truba has been just a, a tremendous presence on the background. He really has that veteran presence, and it balances Keandre Miller out very well. And like you said, the game-changing hits that he's had, and, and even though this is a small part of his game, but he really found that part of his game as the Rangers kind of rebranded into this physical, you know, don't take anything from anyone kind of team. And I think that once the team started playing that way, Jacob Truba was able to bring that part of his game out as well. And that's the kind of player that the Rangers acquired to begin with. So this season, Jacob Truba really has morphed into that player that the Rangers always wanted him to. And, you know, that's a testament to just getting more comfortable. And he's even admitted it after his first season. You know, he admitted that he needed a bit of time to settle in and to get used to his surroundings, as most people do when they, you know, get traded from different teams, different cities. But he and and his second season is when he found his leadership voice. So he's also been a prominent voice in the locker room and one that we, we wouldn't have even known about it, obviously, not being in the locker room, but players consistently told us that, oh, in between periods, it's Jacob Truba that they're looking to. So that was kind of a surprise uh, part of his game as well. But yeah, he's been huge on the back end for them. And he's really just morphed into the player that the Rangers thought that they were getting a couple seasons ago. Molly Walker, the beat writer for the New York Rangers for the New York Post is our guest. And Robin Leonard, we're guessing tonight, he should be in net against probably Igor Shosturkin. I, do, I don't want to steal any of Lindsay's thunder because I know she's got a lot of goalie questions, but <laughs> I just want to emphasize one thing here. Okay. In that shootout against Tampa Bay, he turns back in succession, Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> what else can you say about Shesterkin? <laughs> you really just summed it up right there. I mean, just that one lineup of of a shootout attempts and he stifles all of them no problem the way that he skated out to greet victor hedman as he tried to slowly uh, skate in shesterkin wasn't having any of that shesterkin he's a sh- real showmanship he's got that you know flair to him and he just you know that's what makes him so great i think he just really has a has a level head but he has his his showmanship abilities and that just makes him such a pleasure to watch and the Rangers have credited their crazy good start to the season for so many games that he stole for them and he's just been the backbone of the team and thankfully uh, Alex Georgiev has started to find his footing again in net so the Rangers really have two solid goaltenders at the moment. And Molly, I was saying earlier in our program in terms of how to scout Shesterkin, I'm like, don't challenge him in terms of trying to maintain his gaps because he's really good at those. But laterally, if you get him moving in transition, I mean, all goalies do have 
decent failure rates. And so it, it'll be a tall task for the Golden Knights to try to find that tonight. But in terms of of, of Georgiev and, and Shesterkin in the goaltending situation, because the tandem buzzword that we've been uh, acutely familiar with in this league, at least in the last couple of seasons, there, there's absolute strategy to that. And for many reasons outside of injuries that your goaltending group has for sure suffered uh, this year. But in terms of the market that is before us and with goaltenders at the trade deadline or, or in the offseason, regardless, Georgiev is on a restricted free agent uh, expiring deal right now. We see a lot of people that value negotiating rights, that value young goaltending. Uh, do you anticipate the Rangers wanting to kind of hoard that, or will they try to flip Georgiev and potentially ruffle some feathers for, for a big-time gamble? At the moment, I think with the way Georgiev has been playing, I'm I'm sure they want him to continue. If it is for the purpose of, you know, upping his trade stock, you know, that's that's great for him too, and that works in the Rangers' favor as well. Um, but I think that right now, after the last month or so that Georgiev has played, the Rangers might want to see just if he can keep it up. If he, you know, left 2021 in the past and really, you know, worked out of his bad habits. But the the tricky part here is that. Igor Shesterkin is their clear number one. So when you have a clear number one, obviously the playing time is not going to be even. And Georgiev has shown himself as a, as a goaltender that needs consistent playing time. But he also, at the moment, at least with his con- with the contract he currently has, he's a little bit higher priced for a backup goalie. Um, so I think if there were to be a move, he probably would step into either a equal tandem type team or he would become a team's number one right off the bat. So it's really just a testament. It's really just up to what the Rangers feel like they have in Georgiev. And obviously it's really been back and forth the last year. I mean, he it was a real tough 2021 for Georgiev, but he has shown flashes before 2021. He was solid. He was reliable. And then the last month or so, he's kind of gotten back to that. So I think uh, it would be wise for the Rangers to maybe take a wait and see approach, especially they don't need, they really don't need to make any moves at the moment um, because things are going pretty well for them. Maybe by the trade deadline, but we'll see. It's a good problem to have, and, and it harkens back a lot to what we saw maybe in Anaheim when they were trying to decide between John Gibson and Frederick Anderson or the Kings when it was just Jonathan Quick and any other person that was coming up through the Kings pipeline because they're just really good at developing goaltenders. Uh, it's I'm, I'm a huge fan, and I'm super happy that, that the <laughs> transition away from Henrik Lundqvist hasn't been as rough, although I'm very jealous for a multitude of reasons. But you talked about Truba and the leadership model, and uh, it seems like they're going through a, a, a similar choreography that the Golden Knights did in their early years of their expansion where they didn't name a captain. For me, it's Mika Zibanejad, and it's not even close, but apparently Truba's there, and there's a lot of other people on that team that could absolutely serve as that voice, although Panarin took himself out of the running. Uh, where, where are they at with this process, and who do you think is the best suited for that now and in the future? Because sometimes those are two different answers. Right. That is definitely two different answers. To, to address that first, for me, I do see the Mika's that have been at argument, but for me, it's Chris Kreider, the longest tenured Ranger, the one that's been around, and the way that he's stepped up on the ice this season in particular, which this is pure speculation here, could be because he didn't get the C. You know, True. Could be, could be an area where he was drawing some motivation from, and I wouldn't put that past him at all, um, but... I think I think Chris Kreider really has the, has the voice and and really has the respect of the locker room. But yes, Jacob Truba's in that conversation. Ryan Strom's in that co- uh, conversation. Mika Zibanejad. But obviously, we we 
as the media made a lot of it because general manager and president Chris Jury said right off the bat that that was a priority for him and that was something that he wanted to do. Head coach Gerard Gallant said the same exact thing. Everybody was on the same page that by the time game one rolled around, there was going to be a captain. And when there wasn't, it was a, you know, a little bit of a backtrack and, you know, what is the dynamic? What's going on here? But truthfully, at least in talking to the players and, and Gallant about it extensively, they feel like they have a leadership group. They have a core. That's why there's so many alternates, and that's why they wanted to go that route. And I think that it works for them. I think it works for what they're trying to build, the culture they're trying to implement, um, which is an area that was needed to be addressed in the off season, And it's something that they did. And, and they changed the whole makeup of their lineup, and they have a bunch of character guys in there. And it's with a new face, new voice, and it's it's working for them. It definitely is. Molly Walker is with us, and Chris Kreider has 12 power play goals this season. 12 power play goals. He has a tendency to get in the way in the right right? place, man. Yeah, and all those deflections, Mm -hmm. of course. Uh, Okay, Molly, I want to just ask you this question. Um, First, I want to say, I say the Rangers will win if – they play outside, and they for, uh, if they force the Golden Knights outside, we saw this formula the other night. Nashville did it. And then the Rangers, when I watched some of their game the other night, they replicated that same attack, and they kept Edmonton outside. The Rangers will win if, in your estimation. The Rangers will win if they play the same way they played Tampa Bay the other day. <laughs> They were, I mean, four to nothing over the reigning two-time Stanley Cup champions. That's about the best that you can ask for. Just an, you needed all-star performance from Igor Shosturkin because obviously this this Golden Knights team can score. Um, you need the, to be hard on the forecheck and to just be able to roll all four lines like Gerard Gallant prefers to. But if they can, they talk about it all the time, the fact that they need to play the full 60 minutes because we've seen a, more than – enough times this season already the rangers blow multi-goal leads in in the third period because they just turned it off in the final 20 minutes so that's something that they need to be aware of and something that they can't let happen gold knights are also familiar with that very exact problem molly so i'm glad that they at least share that among other things but uh, when you play against the tampa bay lightnings and and against the gold knights to an extent it's easier to get up for those games it's easier to bring your best performance and 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 to maybe stop that murderer's role that that dasco let off this talk with in terms of the braden point and the headman and all the people that they have at their disposal but who plays the rangers the best who who gives them the the hardest game and and how are they equipped to do so? Hmm, that's that's a tough question. It's a pretty interesting Thank you. question. <laughs> I would probably say, the, I mean, the Colorado Avalanche, the last couple of games that they've play, played against the Avs have just been, I mean, when you talk about using them as a measuring stick, the Rangers are staring straight up. And <laughs> that's just a testament to Colorado just being such a high-powered, high-skilled team. I mean, they have a Kale McCarr to, to their Adam Fox and, and a Nathan McKinnon to their Mika Zibanejad. You know, it's it, it's like a whole different level over there in Colorado, truly. So I, I would have to go with the Colorado Avalanche. But the, I like that question. That was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take that compliment. I'll, I'll leave you with, with one quick uh, question before we let you go. Uh, who would you rather have, Kale McCarr or Adam Fox? 
Oh, you can't. You gotta know. <laughs> I had to, Molly. Yeah. We have to have something to discuss the at the game in a couple this hours. This is the Sorry. NHL Network. Why'd you put her on the spot? Sorry. No, just that is like probably <laughs> the worst question you could ever ask me. I mean, that is that is that is too tough. I don't know. You know, they're both so they're just ahead of their time. Really, I mean, Cal McCarr is just one of the most well-rounded defensemen that I've ever seen. Where his game offensively is just as just as immense as his game is defensively, but Adam Fox sees the ice better than any player I've ever seen. And he's also just, he plays with his brain. That's like mm. something that's so unique about him. I mean, who, who has a Harvard gra- uh, degree in psychology, you know, like Adam Fox does it. And he just, he really puts it to good use on the ice. Yeah. So it's, I, I really couldn't pick. Don't, don't ever ask me that question. <laughs> Well, to quote the great childhood classic El Dorado, both, both is good. Molly Walker, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm really looking forward to running into you in the press box in just a couple hours. Uh, if you see me and it's awkward, we just have to pretend it's not because it's a social construct. <laughs> no awkwardness. None Excellent. At all. Looking forward Thanks, to Molly. it. Thank you so much, Molly. I was Molly thank Walker from the New York Post. That's right, the New York Post. She covers the Rangers for them. And what a great conversation to have with her and a team that is definitely on the rise but they're at the top of their ceiling right now in terms of the standings and so someone must fall and we'll find out in just a couple hours who that might be on the other side of the break we have to get into that footies the footballs that we have displaced so we'll be there you found the playmakers only on 1140 the bet las vegas holy cannoli what a chat with uh, Molly Walker to ask, oh, what a what a get by you! I want to thank you for setting that up for us. She's awesome. It was an unreal chat. If you yeah. missed any portion of Molly Walker, who's just on with us a, a few moments ago, this is the playmakers, Lindsey Brown, Tony Dasko. We we are still here. Yes, they still allow us to have a job, and they still allow you to listen to that conversation, even though it just happened. And I'm going to put it up on the Nightcap feed on the podcast feed, but you can use the Rewind feature on the Odyssey app, which is already downloaded to your phone. But in case you had to clear out space to fit some more photos, uh, Google Play Store, or Apple App Store, search out Odyssey, search out the Bet Las Vegas or the Bet 1140 or the Playmakers or the Nightcap or Saturday Sports Beat or any of these things. All of that content can be found on that app. And so I encourage you to download. I encourage you to go back and listen to that conversation, especially since, you know, it's literally dying on the vine as we talk now. And I still have to post said episode as I'm talking during the show, too. It's a lot of buckets that I'm trying to carry right now. But that's not even the sport we're talking about because it's time for the football at four. Oh, the footiest of footballs. Is this what really happened? We don't know, but we're going to say that this happened until everyone has to believe us or else. But it's not four o'clock. It's 427. I know because we had to switch it for Molly Walker because she's very special. And that's what she's we had to do. Spe- the move. We had to special. move heaven and earth, obviously. <laughs> and so that's she what has we a kitchenette in her hotel. That's yeah. unbelievable. If you listen back to the conversation, that was literally the first 10 seconds of it. So Dasko, so we must move on from that one and talk about the NFL spin room because last hour we left, let off the show uh, with Antonio Brown and the ongoing everything that that is. But for me, it's not so much about Antonio Brown or, how he walked off or what he did or what he said or what he's done in the past. I want to talk about just what institutions do to the news cycle and how easy it is for people, even like us, Dasko, who are quote-unquote media that are putting stories out that are trying to get to the bottom of things, how it's easy to get lost in the sauce, basically. It's easy to get lost in the he said, she said, or 
just complete speculation that all of a sudden people will take as fact or truth. And it gets hard to constantly double check, triple check, quadruple check yourself and your sources. And I think that's kind of the whole point, right, is to just completely bombard you uh, to the to the point where you don't want to research anymore. You don't want to clarify what details have or haven't happened. Uh, do you think the NFL from three years ago, let's say, how much le- how much more or less BS do you think they peddle? Just based on what's happened in our society, how that's impacted them, how their specific little internal society has impacted ours. Like, where do you think the NFL is with? manipulation here i think their controls are even tighter today mm-hmm. well they've and learned haven't they you have to factor in social media mm-hmm. and just the the messaging getting out and then they're quick now I, you know the craziest thing arians never does a press conference does he i mean he does them after the games and don't yeah, they have to do it on but monday he did or like wednesdays a, he did like a special i mean today i don't think there's a lot of coaches that probably spend time addressing a specific player who's no yeah. longer part of their organization yeah. or as incendiary but i'm sure if you asked him three weeks ago if he expected to talk about antonio brown with the fake, fake vaccination card he wasn't really penciling that in on his schedule either and so i think you got to deal with the situations that you deal with and I, I i don't know if this is like a, a him or if there's anyone to place fault or blame at because ultimately that's kind of the problem right when there's when there's a logo when there's a shield when photoshop is involved when brands are involved it's easy to pass the pass the buck off it's easy to say well they said this the metaphorical they we have heard from this team we have heard from sources anonymous has sent this um and and what that does what that what the consequences do to uh the players what that means for them in their in their futures, whether it's positive or negative, because there's plenty of positive spin stories that are out there. I mean, no offense to Pete Davidson, I know that you that you are really good with the ladies for one reason or another, but I cannot negate the funny. fact that you're He's not funny. Yeah, you're well, he is funny. He's not that funny. the Astro World whole thing is going on at the same time that he is apparently dating Kim Kardashian, right? It's like that's a very interesting coincidence that we have here, right? And like I said, if they if they found love in a hopeless place, more power to them. Super happy for them and Rihanna and ASAP Rocky. But everything is technically subjective, right? And so I want to ask you, Desco, like, how do you find your find the light through the storm? How do you kind of dig through? Because you've been in this business a lot longer than I have. You're you're from New York media. That's where they keep their offices. Like all of that. Where, how do you see the trees through the forest and not chop them down? So here's what, here's what I decided to do. That's so funny you mentioned that because in 2022, yeah. I feel like, okay, it's time for me to just be the judge and the jury. And so just present, Seems healthy. Just present all the facts to me, okay? Okay. And then I'm just going to go guilty or innocent one way or the other way. Okay. So you are I'm just you going went to, to the decide. same moral authority school as the Ohio State football team, Absolutely. Had, essentially. No. Like, okay. Come on. Well, I'm just save, saying save I, hoodie, I, save hoodie I, photos. I am the filter in which everything goes through. But I'm not uh, but I'm not doing this to influence others. This is just right. me. Right. This is just you. This is and you, I'm like, you discerning okay. through the BS. And right now, if, okay, so ask me about Antonio Brown. What about Antonio Brown, Dasco? Guilty. Okay. Guilty of what? Guilty of taking his shirt off running around why do you have a problem with that 
and f- the foot fetish thing. I, was there something That's wrong Rex with this? Ryan, That's, just because okay. he was in the New York Jets so just uh, stadium. That's feet. your team, your coach. Let's. Why does this guy hey, like feet? Are your thing? Okay. By all means. Is this the footiest of football? Yes, this is. That's why okay. it's Rex Ryan's favorite segment. Okay. What was the question again? No, I just th- to me, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna go through all the evidence and. I'm going to decide on my own how I feel one way or the other. That's it. I'm just not going to I'm not going to waste time going, "Oh wow, he said she said this one." I'm just going to get Isn't that all what the NFL the wants you to do? Isn't that what the powers that be want you to do in a way? They want us to side with them. Yeah. In this instance, I'm going to say after like, evaluating all the evidence, okay, and much deliberation, right. I'm going to side with Arians. I'm going to side with Tampa. All righty. Well, we'll let he you said, make that judgment. He said, get the F out of here. Yep, that's what he said. That's what he <laughs> said. He even did the hand gesture today. He did. And they've got bigger fish to fry in the playoffs, too. And so this is an ongoing conversation, but Antonio Brown's tenure with the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers has come to an end. And several other things have come to an end, including the New York Jets season, unfortunately. <laughs> it's really more of a fortunate thing for most of us. But in terms of, of the bottom dwellers of the league, because so much of this week is taken up about the teams are about to go to the playoffs or are playing for playoff spots. And we'll, you know, fit it into 20 minutes tomorrow because we got better things to talk about. But in terms of the bottom dwellers, who do you feel most optimistic about in terms of eliminated teams? Are, are they on an upward trajectory? Are they swimming? Are they treading? Or are they sinking? Okay. so you're Your gonna... Jets. Let's start there. Um, is waiting an option? Well, that would be treading. Treading would be, I'm, okay. I'm keeping my head above water, so I'm not drowning. Okay, they're treading. They're treading. Well, they're going to have the fourth. they're not sinking. No, no, no. They're okay. going to have the fourth and the sixth uh, picks. Right. They've got to do something constructive Those with picks them. always look so great before we put names on them, too. Can we finally get, like, a marquee wide receiver? Mm. Crying out loud. That would be helpful. Eric Decker didn't get it done for you, did he? No. Damn it. <laughs> well. So he was probably the best option in years. I know. Well, I pay, uh, catching passes from Peyton Manning for three seasons will do that to you. So, so you think that they're basically in neutral. you got to see an infusion of talent and see how that turns out. But you like what Robert, Robert Sala is doing. You're liking what I do. you're seeing. I do. They made some strides. And they're strides. greener pastures, hopefully, in the, yeah. the newer unis because I do appreciate the upgrade. Did you like the black ones? They're okay. I, I just they're the, different. the uniforms that they were going to the AFC Championships with a few years ago. I'm like they're okay, but now that the new ones, I'm like those are a lot better, a lot better. Sometimes you got to look good, feel good, play good, and eventually the playing Agreed. good will find yourself there. The Cleveland Browns, we've spent probably way too much time on this week, treading, sinking, swimming. I think they are treading. They're treading. They're treading because yeah. you're really trying to figure out what to do with Baker Mayfield, and I think that's probably a large reason why he played through the entire season why the team let him because they're just straight up, let's see what you can do let's see what happens and and he was willing to do it and that's why i don't that 79 record isn't offensive to me i i'm i'm more on his bandwagon than i was uh the jaguars depends on the coach right who it they depends hire on the coach. you gotta hire there if you don't there are definitely lots of right answers but they're te- they have a tendency to go with the wrong one Right. There's a bunch of different options. That could be an Eric Bieniemy. We have so many different offensive uh, 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 coordinators and coaches that you can go to if that's the role they want to go down to kind of insulate Trevor Lawrence. But I'd say they're still sinking. I think they're still sinking. They're still sinking. They don't have, a, they don't have a life preserver yet. I'll tell you why. I thought that Trevor Lawrence would be more competitive and like have a little bit a more. Lot I know. Outside. A little bit more fire. I yeah. thought I thought he would have more fire. 
individually outside of everything else and all the noise. He doesn't strike me as that individual though. No, like he but like, he's got to they got, they need a leader first. Sure, but you can lead that way. You can absolutely I think he was a great leader in in terms of how he handled the Urban Meyer thing. He was he was he separated himself, but he didn't fracture away. He he simply said, "That's this is how we want to conduct business as a team, and he was able to manage that. I, I put him in the same, if you put Baker Mayfield at a 10 in terms of just agitory uh, leadership in a way, I put probably Trevor Lawrence in the middle, or is it Joe Burrow in the middle? I'm trying to think. I think Burrow's a little more fiery. So if Trevor Lawrence- Burrow's if, more fiery. Yeah, if Baker's the 10, Burrow's the seven. Lawrence is the five. Would you buy any product that Baker Mayfield is endorsing? If I needed to, if it was a product that I wanted to buy, sure. If it was something that I needed to, out of I mean, as a pitch man, is he selling you something? Well, they sell insurance, and I still don't really understand how that works. Exactly. That's 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 the reason why I'm a pitch man because you say I want to buy what Baker Mayfield is selling, even though I don't know what it is. I just want to live in a stadium. That would be kind of that would be pretty sweet. I mean, laundry, as he showed, is a little bit of a of a task, but you know. If you just wear one outfit like I usually do every day, you just simplify. That's the Steve Jobs mentality, like genius theory or something like that. Giants, um, there's – I don't know because the Joe Judge thing irks me. I think if you go on an 11-minute rant in front of media just to tell, tell everybody how much progress you're making, it probably doesn't spell a whole lot for your confidence in your abilities or probably the teams in your abilities too. And so – but if they move on from them, are they bowing to public pressure – and do they keep him? Well, are you just being so thick-headed? Like, he's about two seconds from being a Ben McAdoo for me. He's two seconds away, and he doesn't really have an Eli Manning to bench to really get the fan base pissed off. Where do they find these coaches? And I don't know. Judge. judge what was, was wrong with Pat Shermer? Just because he didn't win? Judge. <laughs> Lamar's like the win, apparently. Right. Who knew? Yeah. I mean, you see, they don't have to sell tickets. It's all There's still a wait list of like 7, 10, 12 yeah. years. To buy tickets for the Giants. Yeah. But just to appease them. They're in New York. You're supposed to be competitive. It's not supposed to be flying in the pockets. So they They are getting sued for being in New Jersey, though. (laughs) Well, it's about time because that bothers me as well. They should be New Jersey teams. They play in New Jersey. And that wasn't far from where I grew up. So where were we? Joe Judge. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, like, he was talking about almost being fired as special teams coordinator in one of those seasons that they won the Super Bowl. What? Where are you coming from? Yeah. That, and, and you know what? And I'm against this now. I'm done. You're done with Joe? Okay. No, here's my guilty. Okay. Oh, okay. Guilty. Innocent. Judgment? Right? Okay. Judgment day, whatever. I will never, ever, ever. I don't want any more special teams coaches to be your head coach. End of story. Done. All I'm right. I'm finished. Basaccia and the Crotchia, that guy, like, right? Like, Devin Hester, you have no future in this league, at least with the head coach. Well, these guys position. should not be a head coach. They're coaching special yeah. teams. That's one tier. Leaders can be found anywhere. It's just you got to pick out the leaders. That's, I think, where the problem for a lot of these teams are. Carolina Panthers, I think most people would say they're treading water. I think they're sinking. Treading. I don't think I Matt Rule's the answer. I, th- I thought he would be. Had, I was excited for him. I, I, I think it's more, why did we move on from Teddy? Was was Sam Darnold really that big of an upgrade? Ugh. Why did you make that switch in general? So maybe it's not about Matt Rule. Maybe it's about owner Upstairs, guy yeah. who has the NFL logo on his center of his field instead of his own logo. Because, you know, out of respect for the big <laughs> So when Matt Rule was coming out of Baylor, I felt that he would be better suited to be the Giants head coach. He was and look he, where they both are that, in last place. But he was part of that system. He kind of understood the 
culture and everything else with the Giants. And now he's here good he for is. one more win. Oh. So maybe that's that's the exact exchange rate for Sam Darnold to Teddy Bridgewater and Rule to, to Joe Judge. They draft fifth and seventh. I mean, they've got to do something. You don't something. think they wanted to win on Eli's jersey day? You don't think they wanted that day? No. I bet you that's exactly where that, that would go. And then uh, the Seattle Seahawks. What a what a name to have in this conversation, but they are the bottom dwellers of the NFC West. And while Russell Wilson is saying, I'm totally on the bandwagon, guys, I don't believe a damn word he's, he's saying. Out. He's, he's peace out. out. He's peace he's out. out. And you know what? I Russell, by all, by all means, go. Pete I'm okay Carroll's with it. Gone. I think Pete Carroll's, Pete Carroll's gone. not gone. Pete Carroll's not gone. It's I his first losing gone. season. I know, but it's just, his first losing I think season he there. might have enough. If he wants to go, I can see that. But there's no, there's under no circumstance where the team severs that. If he wants to cut the ribbon, sure. But and he might feel more incentivized to do that without Russell Wilson to coach up either. So I, I'm good knows? at seeing through this stuff. Okay, so I felt last year yeah. it was Bill Lambeer's last year coaching win, lose or draw. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Pete Carroll, same thing. Well, he is what he is the and um, Becky Hammond's going to second coach. oldest. Is he the oldest coach in the end? It's him and Bill are pretty close in age, right? Yeah, I think he's old. Bill's just the longest tenured, but I yeah. think Pete's the Pete's, oldest. Pete's the oldest. Yeah. Yes, but and Becky Hammond should coach. Seattle and here with the Aces. Yes, all of these things. But then if she does that, then she can't have any media availability whatsoever. Uh, She's zing. too busy. Zing. Too busy. It's not a zing. It's a it's a good problem. Today for was her an off day. Today was an off day for the Spurs. We could have had her right here in the studio in plenty of time. She is going to be staying here for a while, and so we'll have to get her on the show. Would have been nice to get her on this week, but that's all right. She has bigger people to talk to and bigger problems to solve, like getting over the hump of the championship, because it's that or bust. It has been for two or three years with Lame Beer. And so sometimes it, you do need that change, even though it's not necessarily a necessity. Oh, no, you need the change. Yeah. It was time for a change. Right. And I think Bill, Bill sensed that, too. Right, exactly. Bill's so, not a GM. Don't call him a GM. No, but he's a he's a great coach. He was a great player and, and, and a good person. And so we're happy that he has chosen to remain with the organization. That he For now. For now, that <laughs> Becky is here and that uh, we get to talk footiest of footballs every day at 4 o'clock, although today was a little bit later than usual. But... As you said, for the special people, we must move heaven and earth. And on the other side, the town that built itself just doing that, the bet, 1140. You found the Playmakers. Only on 1140, the bet, Las Vegas. Final segment of the Playmakers. I'm literally posting the podcast of the Molly Walker conversation we had at the top of the hour because I know people are on their way to the game. The game happens in like less than an hour and you guys got to be able to listen to it. And there it goes. It's published. It's public. And it is all happening. Let's go. Not going to put her Twitter in there because we'll just do that later because we have bigger things to do. We only have so many minutes to do it. It's a big day for the city of New York and just the general area, you know, besides suing the New York Giants and Jets for playing in New Jersey. Uh, the Times, which are a social construct and a newspaper that's fairly well known, has apparently purchased The Athletic. Why we joined The Athletic, we don't know because they never asked us. But apparently so many people have signed up. I think they were asking for 20 million subscribers in order for this deal to go down. Uh, athletic met it ahead of schedule. 
New York Times seals the deal by buying them for $550 million. Uh, Which, does that seem like a lot? It doesn't seem it like doesn't, a lot. Uh, it, it from seems two like years ago, steal. it's a much different price tag. If you don't, if you haven't forgotten before the pandemic, lots of things were different. But especially with The Athletic, like it's, it seemed like every day somebody was tweeting out why I joined The Athletic. Because everybody who joined The Athletic had to write one of those articles. And obviously things changed. They had to cut a lot of their talent and had to just go a lot lighter. And so I think that sales price has definitely changed. But apparently the athletic is going to operate, quote unquote, independent from the times. And, you know, new, the newspaper business is struggling. And that's the athletic is almost the ano- anomaly that is uh, and the exception that proves the rule. And I think that's why the, the times are buying them. But in the in the scheme that is sports content, we've talked about TV numbers, about viewership, about how hard it's sometimes just to find your own hometown club. Good or bad for sports journalism? This deal? Oh, it's good. You think it's, it's good? Well, because the survivability, times, right? That's the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. In today's world, mm-hmm. absolutely, and it keeps you know the five scribes, years old. The athletic, the, yeah, keeps the scribes employed, and mm-hmm. and furthermore, the New York Times has never really given a damn about sports. No, they've not cared. They've about branded sports. themselves as a very. Uh, intellectual paper yes we'll say yes not a bad paper by any means i read a lot of them i read a lot of them would you be miss Lindsay? how would they refer to you in there i don't know probably as mr dasko uh, yeah i would be mr dasko for sure a loud woman in the street that's probably me (laughs) i'm man on the street yeah man man uh, on the street man shouting at clouds in street yes that is tony cordasco from a young age (laughs) uh also apparently sports betting who knew is popular is going to start on Saturday in New York for the first time. How big of a deal? Huge deal. Huge deal. Hu- the, how big of a deal? Huge deal. Facts. And we're cutting that it's up huge. for audio, obviously. How much money first weekend? Billions. Bill, uh, well, look at New Jersey. Right. Like, Different show, but still very worthy. We're talking about succession, Kendall Roy, but Billions <laughs> I Hear is great, too. It has no, a but New Jersey did very well with gambling. Right. Betting. Well, and New Jersey's always likened itself to a little more gambling than New York has, or at least... That's the business model that they've employed. Illegally. Yeah. So can I just tell you a mm-hmm. quick story about my bookie? Yeah. When sure. I was in yes, high school? Absolutely. So my, my bookie, he got in trouble. He finally got caught. Mm-hmm. They sent him to jail. Was he in school with you? No, no. No, this was an older guy. Okay. He was my bookie. He was great. Known around the neighborhood. Got Connections you. connected us and everything. I ran the sheets there, the parlay cards. Sure. Equivalent in high school. No harm, no foul. No harm, no good. foul. So he gets in trouble. Yep. He's got like 15 kids, like more than Alex Petrangelo even. <laughs> He's got like 15 kids. So they send him to jail from nine to five. At yeah. about six o'clock, he'd knock on my door <laughs> in high school. He'd be there. So, he'd, so, so he's, still running, he's still running numbers yeah. at night. They put him, you have to be home with your kids. We get it. Okay. So they just put him in jail nine to five, which was... <laughs> What? He goes home, sleeps uh, in his bed. The old metaphorical runs, slap at the wrist. Runs, runs the good old numbers. Yep. I served like two years hard time. It wasn't hard time. He was out at night. Gets you a nice in and out. Gets a nice home cooked meal yeah. and still collects the money. Well, at night. just a bookie thing. I mean, we have been chasing after but that is Jersey. quote unquote crimes that seem completely worthless. 
No one's listening. I'm not going to get arrested for that story. Am no, I? I think the statute okay. of limitations is probably yeah, expired on that. <laughs> Although I did not know that you were a bookie runner person as a child. As a, that explains I ran a lot numbers. about you. I ran, that explains a lot. I did a lot of the, the crime. They say if you're going to commit a crime, do it like when you're a kid. So. Well, and it's a good business to get in at the time, too, because as, as you just highlighted, it doesn't exactly... Uh, offend a whole lot of people even the people enforcing the law i had some just... really nice rims on my hot wheels did car, you, you bet, know i bet you did oh my god it was it's probably the only car that that you'd owned at the time did you were you did you family have a car in new york i've always wondered that with people who grew well, up we there. were in jersey you're in jersey you, but so my, you a car? one of my friends who is in the city now came out here to visit over yeah. the summer and my buddy scott and he told he scott. told me yeah exactly so scott uh, does not have a car in the city. No one has a car in the city. I go, what if you have to drive somewhere outside of the People, city? It's not that they, that they don't just have cars. They don't have licenses. Yeah, they, a lot of kids these the days parking, don't have licenses either. Because guess what? Is more than driving is expensive payment. and terrifying. Also that. I mean, driving to New York, okay, I can't drive I have. in Las Vegas, okay? I love driving in I New York City. I drove my big red minivan across a bridge I into New love, Jersey to go I to a music festival. I just love the challenge of, the of like... Greatest moments ever. There's 15 lanes of traffic and you're like zigging and I zagging. I drove it to Greenwich in uh, Connecticut. And those people, there were a few double takes. The Maseratis and my big red Dodge caravan minivan. Big red, rest in peace, although she is still with us just in Minnesota. And we'll be back with you tomorrow, 3 to 5 p.m. The Playmakers. Thank you, Dasco. Thank you, Thanks. Ashley. Thank you to the listeners. And listen to the Molly Walker podcast and watch the game. I'll be there we'll see you tomorrow happy friday almost guys sports thanks t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning right now families and small businesses can save up to 20 percent versus at&t and verizon when they switch visit your local t-mobile store today 